Hey, thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. I felt like I just had Christian calisthenics. <laughs> I worked up a sweat back there. So, man, good day, huh? Good day. Worship was amazing. You got up to 44 degrees this morning. Some of us did at six o'clock, it was 44 degrees. That was wonderful. It's one of the things I love about this time of year. Um, obviously, you have heard, if you've been on a journey any length of time, well documented, this is my favorite time of year. Uh, for multiple reasons. I like sitting in a deer stand. So uh, that's one of the reasons because it's nice and, you know, gets cool this time of year. Um, if your favorite team won yesterday, big round of applause. So I can, I can see we have a lot of Georgia Bulldog fans. That's great. So that, that, that team won. That was, that was good. So, um, but you know, one thing I don't like about this time of year, and it's really, it's, it's becoming one of the things that like, I really don't like, uh, and I'm not going to get too uh, too wrapped up on a soapbox or anything, but I, I don't like this time of year because it's political season. Anybody else? Because I feel like they get up there and they get up on their soapbox and they make all these promises and we know they're not going to keep them, right? And so I, I was thinking, actually, if I was going to run for office, what my platform would be and what I would probably do is this. I would probably say everybody that works a full-time job, you have to work a full-time job to get this, but you should get a, a nap at 12 o'clock. You think, you think I would win? I would win an election? Like, you know, I, I think that's a pretty good one, you know? As, you know everybody gets a raise, too. You know, you're good. And, and working moms, like, that stay at home and work, you get double what you get right now. Is that pretty good? So, no, I, I don't like it because I don't like people that can't keep their promises. And so it's one of those deals where they get up there and they say a few things and you know, you know, you know what it is, you know, we're going to lower taxes, we're going to raise this, we're going to lower that. And, and the next thing you know, they get in office and it's the same thing it was before and it doesn't change that. And it's not just, it's not just politicians and I get that. Uh, businesses do the same thing, right? Like companies do the same thing. Um, anybody get rewards on their credit cards? Like you get like Disney points or, or you get Delta miles or whatever. I heard, I heard a friend of mine was telling me that that was a big sale, you know, for American Express or something that they were going to give all these. And now companies are losing so much money. They're going to take away all those reward points from you. And I'm like, just keep your promises. And then, then it gets, it gets real serious because some of us have had promises broken in our relationships and maybe because, you know, divorce or whatever, infidelity happened or whatever. And I was thinking about like, man, there's a lot of things in this world that, and a lot of places in this world that break promises and like, People can't be trusted, can they? And, and, and I was reading this, uh, a, a leader in Indonesia, um, in, in the country, there, there's such corruption in their, in their systems, especially in their prison systems, that the prisoner guards are making deals with prisoners, even death row inmates. They're making deals and they're getting out. So what he wants to do is he wants to dig a moat around the prison and put crocodiles in the moat. I'm like, that's fantastic. I saw that in a movie, it's Live and Let Die, James Bond. But it, like, 
And, and you know, what he, this is what he said. He goes, it's easier to trust a crocodile than it is a human being. I'm like, whoa, that's kind of crazy. Now, some of you are going, why am I here? This is so depressing. <laughs> I'm going to give you some hope. Because what we're going to talk about over the next three weeks is about somebody that does not break their promises. And never broke one. Never one time has broke a promise. God has kept every promise that he's ever made. As a matter of fact, there's almost 6,000 promises in his word. 6,000. You, th you think about that. There's 66 six, six books, you know, books of the Bible. There's, uh, there's, there's stacks of hundreds of promises in every book. And, and, and not a single one of them has he ever broke. And so what we're going to talk about in this series called Promises is about those promises, not so much each individual promise, because we can, we can literally, if there's 5,000, I think the number exactly is 5,467 promises, I can do one a week for a century. That's how long it would take for us to go through all of the scriptures and the promises that God made. But what we are going to do is we're going to talk about how do these apply to my life? Like you can claim whatever promise you want to claim. And that, that there's, you know, there's one, uh, there's at least one for everybody. But like, and like my, my, my favorite, one of my favorite promises is found in John 10, 10. And, and John 10, 10 says this, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, right? That we know what the enemy's pur purpose is. But this is a promise. It says my purpose, Jesus is saying this, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I want to claim that promise. Anybody else? I like that one. That one speaks to me. That's one that I want to have. Life to the fullest, if there is another translation. And so it's not so much like, let's go through every promise. It's which ones can we claim and how can we apply those to our lives? So in this new series, Promises, we're going to look at, uh, today, we're going to look at a psalm that, that actually will teach us three principles of how we can apply whatever that promise is that God's given you or whatever that promise is that you want to dig up. And I would encourage you, there's a little homework that's going to happen today and everybody's going to have to do it. I got a challenge at the very end, but I want you to do me a favor when you get home, not right now, but Google search the promises of God or all of God's promises and, and, and see what pulls up. And when you start pulling those up, start writing a few of them down and start going on Monday go, I'm going to claim this promise today, the promise of health. I'm going to claim this promise over here that God's going to give me exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask or imagine, that I'm going to take this promise right here of good health, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to claim that over top of my life uh, every day for the next, you know, however long it takes. Get, get a couple of those promises and see how they apply to your life. See, here's the problem. I believe there's all these promises, and there's enough for everybody, but most people I know don't live in the promises of God. They don't, they, they don't, first of all, they don't know what the promises of God are, and then they don't live in them. And I, and I believe that, that, that today, especially, we can talk through all the things that we can live in, all the things that God wants us to have. We can walk in the fulfillment and the joyful expectation of God's promises in our lives today. So whenever I encounter a promise, there's three things I want us to get. Here's the first thing, right? Believe that when God says all, he really means all. He doesn't mean just a few. He doesn't mean a couple. He says all. And as a matter of fact, when we look through the scripture in Psalms, David writes it like this. We're going to read a lot. And I want you to kind of notice in today's passages, the promises of God that are in there. The things that, 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 that he's done for history and, and, and people, you know, the nation of Israel and, and, and the people in the New Testament. This is the God that we're serving. He says, I will exalt you. This is David. My king or my God and my king and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. 
Let each generation tell its children of his mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious, uh, majestic, uh, on your, on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful uh, miracles. Verse six, your awesome, inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. And now watch this. I will pro- proclaim your greatness. What's the very first word of verse seven? Everyone. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. Can I just push pause? Because we feel like sometimes that, that God's only good to a segment of the population. Like God's only good if you go to church on Sunday. Or God's only good if you write a tithe check. Or God's only good if you serve somewhere. God's only good. And I said this last week. Um, last week was amazing. How many people were here last week, 20th anniversary? It was absolutely a blast. Like, thank you for being here. We had a great time. But, but I was thinking about this, and I said this last week. You have never looked in the eyes of somebody that Jesus didn't die for. You have never looked in the eyes. I don't care how far away they are from God. There's, there's no sin. There's no sin that God can't forgive. There's no sin, you know, yeah, there's the unpardonable. When we turn our back to Jesus, okay, when we, when we deny him. But all the other sins that fall underneath that, they're all forgivable. And, and so when we look at us, and that's why this word everyone is important. These blessings that God has for us, these promises are for everyone. We just haven't. So I had a conversation a few months ago with a young man, a great guy. He's becoming a journey. He was in the, in the first service. And he said, Pastor Bobby, do you remember when I asked you the question? Because sometimes we debate whether God's a good God and if he loves everyone. And, he, and this is a question he asked. He said, why, if God's such a good God, if God's such a God of love, why is he sending people to hell? I said, said, here's the deal. God hasn't sent a single person to hell. As a matter of fact, he's he's provided an escape from hell. The escape is Jesus. Now it's up to us whether we're gonna take that Jesus into our lives, whether we're gonna claim that Jesus, whether we're gonna make him number one, Lord and God. But but as a matter of fact, scripture tells us that he loves us so much that he doesn't want a single person going to hell. And that's why he sent Jesus Christ. So when the word everyone, the Lord is good to everyone, he's good to everyone that accepts his goodness. That, one, that wants his love. And it says he showers compassions on the creation. He says, all of your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak of your glory, of your kingdom, and they will give examples of your power. They will tell about your mighty deeds and about the majestic and glory of your reign. And then he says this in verse 13, for your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule throughout all generations. Now watch this. The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in the all he does. He keeps all of his promises. Every promise, everything that he's ever said, it's for everyone. That's why it's so important when we read like through the book of Acts and we realize that Gentiles, Jesus uh, allowed the, the apostles to reach out to the Gentiles, that even Gentiles, even people that were far from God, he said, listen, I've come for you too. As a matter of fact, when Peter is in Cornelius' house, there's a line in Acts chapter 10, verse 34. It just says, then Peter replied, I see very clearly. He said, I see very clearly that God shows no favor- favoritism that God loves everybody equally, Gentiles and Jews and, and, and people that are far from God and people that are close to God. He loves all some. See, God's love, his promises aren't based on race. They're not based on culture. They're not, they're not based on generation. They're not based on, lo- he doesn't bless people in the United States more than he blesses people in the Dominican Republic. He blesses equally, he loves all of us. It's just a matter of claiming. And I was thinking about this. How about this one? Like maybe these are some things that we need. How about the promise of joy? Hey, we live in a world 
there's not a lot of joy sometimes, is there? As a matter of fact, we can just turn the TV on and we can see there's a lot of just the opposite of joy. But how about if we claimed as believers, hey, I'm gonna, the promise of joy. How about the promise of peace? He, the Bible says that he, he gives us the peace that passes all understanding. And if you don't have peace in your life, it's because you haven't claimed that promise. You haven't dug into that one. You haven't owned that promise. How about this? How about happiness? Which is so different than joy. But happiness, that the circumstances of our life make us happy. How about this one? The promise of purpose. Now, one one of the things I love is about a year ago, we did a series here called Design By. And we talked about every per, everybody that walks, everybody that's got a thumbprint, everybody that breathes has a purpose. And, and it was interesting. Last week, um, great day, um, and somebody asked me, like, how long are you going to do this? Like, how, like how, how much longer are you going to do this? Like, you know, five years, ten years? And I had a long conversation with, with some of the staff, specifically Caleb Meeks. And Caleb says, if I need to carry you up there and throw you on a chair or if you need to help you with the walker, but, but you, know, you, you know why? I love what I do. I love what I do. Like, I get to hang out with you. Most of you. You know? But you, you know why? I, can, I, I, claimed the, I claimed that promise for myself. I, I wanted to do something with my life. I wanted, to, I wanted to invest my life in people. I wanted to have a life of purpose. How about a life of fulfillment? How about, how about, how about the promises that God gives us of provision? Psalms 37. It says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed out begging for bread. That's a promise. That's a promise that God's going to take care of people that call themselves believers. How about this? A promise of abundance. Some of you are going, well, I don't know about abundance. It sounds a lot like the prosperity God. Stop. God wants us blessed. I made a comment in a series we were talking about money. And I, I, I got like four or five emails that were like scathing. And I just responded like this. And this is what I said. I said, I'm praying. We're praying. Myself, Gene and myself are praying that he would make us millionaires. You know why? To much is given, much is required. And we've been faithful with little and God's gonna make us faithful with more. It's not so we can have more, it's so we can give more. It's so we can be a blessing to more people. It's not so I can drive. Listen, I, I drive around in a paid truck. Like I don't need a brand new anything. But you know what I do? I feel like that if God gives me whatever he's gonna give me, it's gonna be invested back in the kingdom of God and we're gonna see more people come to know him. That's, that's what I'm talking about when I say, I want, to, I want to claim the promise of abundance so God can use me, that God could use my, me and my wife. And, 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 and next, how, about the, how about the promise of blessings? I want to be a blessing to people. Anybody else want to be a blessing to people? I want people to walk around this city and go, you know that church journey? They are the most blessing-filled church that I've ever... So we did something really cool last week, and I didn't even mention, mention it in first service. We gave every family unit a, a, a card, a envelope. How many people got the envelope? A couple. We don't have them anymore, so you can't get one now. There was $20 in it. And what we said is that the Lord's favor has been on us for 20 years. Now we want you to show the Lord's favor to somebody in our community somehow or another. You'll hear more about this, I'm sure. But two kids, their first service, mom comes to the first service. And they got on and they said they challenged everybody on Facebook to do, um, to match the fund, $20, match the fund, match the fund. They were doing it just like we do the pre-service video. There was two of them and they were like sitting with coffee mugs, journey coffee mugs. It was hysterical. Like I actually said to them this morning, I said, hey, um, like you're up next week. We're, we're gonna have you on the, like you were that good. But I don't, I don't remember the exact amount, but I'm gonna say they turned that $20 into over $1,000. 
And they're taking that money and they're paying off the school cafeteria debt for the kids in their school. Isn't that cool? That's the promise of blessing. That, that's what happens when, when we know who God is in our lives and we want to invest it in the people around us. And then there's the promise of protection. Like, man, I, part of our 930 prayer was favor of the Lord, direction, and protection, right? Because we live in a, it's, it's, it's a wild world. We live in a crazy world. And so we pray for protection. In Psalms 145, that word all, right? That word all, that, that word, 12 different times. In just that one, four, depending on the version, 12 different times. And you know what I found that really interesting? That as I was reading this about the, these blessings and these promises, that if you look at that if you look at history and you look at literature, like when they're talking, like if you read like about the Greek gods, it's always, first of all, lowercase g, okay? It's not big G, it's not Yahweh, it's not Jehovah, it's lowercase g. But every time they refer in, in, in historical writings, they, they refer to a promise. It's a promise that a human being is making to a deity. It's a promise that, that, that they're making to a God. Now here's what is different. In scripture, it's the promise of God to his people. It's the promise of God. And that's what makes, you guys know the difference between Christianity and, and world religions and, and so-called cults and all, right? Because what happens in some of this, or most of it is this. Is what, it's what creation can do for the creator. It's, it's I'm going to do certain things. I'm going I'm I'm to I'm, I'm bend my knee to this. I'm going to give you a certain amount of money. Christianity is just the opposite. It's what the creator did for creation. That the creator died on the cross so creation could be restored. That chasm that had been separated for thousands of years because of the original sin, Jesus brought it all back together. And so when we look at this thing with blessings and promises, we got to look at, look, look at like, this is God's promises that he's never going to break. So when you read about these promises, like 2 Corinthians, I love the way 2 Corinthians says it. It says, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. That when Jesus came to this earth and when he died on the cross, every one of the promises, every one of the 5,000, almost 6,000 promises, Jesus represented and fulfilled all those things. Now, here's the, here's, this is the struggle that we have, right? It's for everybody. The promises of God are for every person in this room. You want to do a test on whether you should receive promises or not? You want to do a real quick test? Everybody take their right thumb, take your right thumb, and put it right here. What do you feel? So, nothing. We have a bigger issue. If you're breathing, if you're still alive, you're still in a place where God wants to pour out his promises to you. Here's the problem. This is where we struggle. We believe, a lot of us believe, but when? When will they be fulfilled? When, when, when are you going to do that? When, when is that going to happen? Anybody else struggle with that besides me? Like, I believe in all of his promises, but when are they going to happen for me? Like, when's it going to happen? And yesterday, yesterday was too late. Like, so it's like, well, like what's, what's, so trust God that he knows which time in our lives is the best time for the promises to be poured out. Let's read 14, verse 14. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. Their eyes of all, the, the eyes of all look to you in hope. You give them their food. Now watch this. I want you to underline this if you have a Bible. Or, or as they need it, right? As they need it. We'll come back to that. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything he does. 
He is filled with kindness. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on the truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and he rescues them. The Lord protects all those that love him, but destroy the wicked. I will praise the Lord and may everyone on earth bless his holy name forever. Let's jump back to verse 15. The eyes of all who look to you in hope, you give them food as they need it. Uh, some versions say this, at the proper time. Now here's what I want everybody to get. Proper time and preferred time are two different things. Proper time is when it's God's timing. Preferred time is my time. Proper time is whenever God wants to do it. Preferred time is it's always too late. As a matter of fact, if I ask for it, I want it right now. Anybody else besides me? Like I want God's blessings to be poured out right now. If I pray for a prayer need, I want it to happen right today. If I need a healing, I want it to happen right this very second. I don't want to go through the process that God wants me to go through to perfect me to perfect me. See, sometimes there's a waiting, and, he, and here's the, we, we start to whine in the waiting, and God wants us not to waver in the waiting. God wants us to, 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 to hold tight to those things. The key to living in the flow of God's promises, I'm convinced, is, is two things. It's twofold. The first part is the fulfillment, understanding that God's going to fulfill them. But the other part of waiting, I mean, or the other part of flowing the promises of God is just the fulfillment whenever it happens, the expectation that one day is going to happen. So it's one part fulfillment of the promise. And the other part is the, the when is going to happen part. And, and so that's, that's this beautiful dance that happens between these two situations. Every promise that God has for you will not be fulfilled yesterday. Y'all don't believe that? Every promise. See, God is working while we're waiting. God is, can I tell you, our view of our life is like an index card. It's like, we see just what's like right here. God sees this huge canvas of all the left turns and the right turns and the ups and the downs. And, and, and I, 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 I don't want to quote Garth Brooks. But I'm thankful that God didn't answer some of the prayers that I prayed over my lifetime. I'm, I'm glad some of the relationships that I was a part of that I thought were godly relationships, I'm glad he didn't give me those prayers right there. You see, because God sees the big canvas, not the index card that we see. So during that waiting period, sometimes it's we're not ready. We're not ready for God to pour out his blessings yet. We can't handle his blessings yet. We can't handle the truth that God's gonna give us or how he's gonna do it in our lives. It, it, it takes a certain amount of time. And, and here's what happens we get caught in a trap. And, and, and the trap is this. I want this promise fulfilled right now, right this very second. And if it doesn't happen, you know what starts to happen? I start to grumble, right? Does anybody else grumble? So, so there, there's a process. The process is this. If it doesn't happen right away, we're tempted to get discouraged. That's the very first thing. Then some of us will call it quits. Do you know there's a lot of people that quit because God didn't answer a promise the way they thought it should have been answered? And then, and then you keep going down the line and all of a sudden the grumbling. Don't tell, don't tell me we don't grumble. Don't, don't. It goes back to the beginning of time, y'all. 
Like, do y'all remember the story of Moses? It's one of my favorite stories. The story of Moses, and they're sitting there, and they're, they're working under Pharaoh's regime, and, and they're killing some of the Israelites, and God speaks to Moses and says, listen, I want you to go to Pharaoh, and you're gonna demand that they let my people go, the Israelites. And he goes, and he says, first thing he says, like, I can't do this. I can't even speak that well. And, and then all of a sudden, he's like, okay, he goes, okay, let my people go. This is what God says, blah, blah, blah. They get, they get all the way out. They get all the way out in the, in, in the wilderness area. They're just before the promised land. And you know what starts to happen? They, they start to grumble. They start to complain. They start to go to Moses. Listen, it would be better that we just died back there. And, and Moses is going, you got to be kidding me. Like, like you, you really want to go back into slavery? You really want to go back into this moment right here where, where Pharaoh was killing? Like, this is way better. Have you all forgotten about the man of the quail? Have you all forgotten about the pillar of fire and the, and the cloud that covered you? Have you forgotten all the good stuff that I've done? See, that's what happens when, when we think that the blessings of the promise should start at a certain time and we're not willing to wait, which leads me to the last thing. And this is really, really important. In this process of waiting, we need to choose to live today in joyful expectation. Joyful expectation. This is not joyful expectation. Joyful expectation. God, I've seen you do it before. You're going to do it again. I, God, I know, I know the plans you have for me are to, for, for prosper. You're, you're going to do something great. And while you're waiting for the promise to be fulfilled, you can wait in joyful expectation. I love the way Micah 7 says it. He says, as for me, I look to the Lord for help. I wait confidently for God to save me. I love that. I wait confidently. It's this, I know he's going to do it. I don't know when he's going to do it, but I'm confident that he's going to do it. He's going to do this thing in my life. Let me ask you a question. I was thinking about this. Um, I think it was Martin Luther who said that most people are about as happy and joyful as they make up their mind to be. So joy and happiness are choice, right? Wouldn't you say that? Joy, it's not based on your circumstances. It's based on how you handle your circumstances. But I was doing some research and I found out there's something that most of us have in common. Now, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm gonna ask a question and he, you shout it out. Um, when do you think is the most unhappy part of the day? How many people say morning? First thing in the morning when you get out, up, out of bed, okay. How many people say after lunch? Yeah. Anybody say right before you go to bed? That's my happiest part of the day. <laughs> they did a research, they did research on this. On Monday mornings at eleven seventeen is the where most people are the most unhappy. They're actually they're actually like statistics that prove this. I, I don't know what kind of job that is that, that person has to do that statistic, but but here's, here's why I'm saying that. Knowing what God has for our lives, there should never be an unhappy part of the day. Did you hear me? There's, there's emotional roller coasters. We go up, I get all that. But we should never have a day that we just go, oh, today sucks. Right? Oh, I said sucks in church. I'm sorry. We can edit that later. Knowing what I know about Jesus and what he did for me, every day is a great day. 
And even if, even if the worst thing happens, my dad used to say this all the time, outside of life and death, there's no bad days. There's no bad things. And you know what I've learned? Even in death, the gig's not too bad. I get to go to heaven. Now, I don't want to go today. I really don't want to go tomorrow either. <laughs> but you know something? I'm not afraid of it. Death, uh, the Puritan, uh, one of the Puritans, John, uh, John West said this. He was just about to die. And they asked him if he was scared. And he goes, no, I'm not scared. He said, I shall change my place, but I will not change my company. I will change my place, but I will not change my company. And so we can have this joyful expectation even in the midst of the biggest struggles in our lives, even when we don't understand what's going on. There's, there's, a, there's a key word here, though. I'm going to teach us all a key word, and this is the key word, okay? It's found in the King James Version of one, uh, Psalms 145, uh, verse 7. It says this, they shall abundantly utter the memory, that's the key word, of thy great goodness and shall sing. You know what I think? I think we as believers sometimes have spiritual amnesia. We forget the good things that he did in our lives. Last week, um, I was riding around the lake. I live um, up toward the lake, and there's a road, if you go up a little further past my house, called Ridge Road. And if you take Ridge Road all the way down, it takes you to a boat ramp. But there's all these campsites. And I was thinking about this because that word right there, memory, um, when I have these memories, I mean, even the nation of Israel put 12 stones in the middle of the river that every time they passed over that, they would look and they would be reminded what God did for them. So I, I'm, I'm up at the lake and I, I pull in, I think it's Central Church. They have a, they have a little campground right there. We used to do, um, if you don't know this, I'm, I'm a recovering youth pastor. And so I used to be a youth pastor um, and I'm glad I'm not one anymore. Um, but we used to do camps and, and we would do, one at Central. And one year, um, we decided to do baptisms for all of our student ministry. And the lake right now is down low, so you can see all kinds of stuff. But I pulled into Central, and I, I rode down the driveway, and I get to the, there's a little peninsula out there. And I look out there, and there's a pile of stones. It's about that high. It's about that big around. And I just start getting tears in my eyes. And it's because it was my first student ministry trip I ever took with students. And we did baptisms right there. And we had each of the kids take a stone and put and make a pile right there on this little peninsula that would remind them when the water was down, we'd go back up there in January, February, when the water's down, and we would be reminded of the great things that God's done. But then it really hit me that one of our elders here in our church, one of the stones was his, Andy Stickle, is one of our elders here. And I remember the privilege I got of baptizing Andy. Just like we did baptisms last week, I had the privilege of baptizing Andy. You know something? Sometimes we forget the good things that God's done for us. So I, I got a challenge for us. Here's the challenge. It's gonna take a couple minutes just to unpack it, but the first part of the challenge is this. I want you this week to be writing things down, the good things that God's done for you. Your marriage, your kids, most of them. Right? Uh, let's just be honest. There's got to be a couple of them that should have gone back, but that, <laughs> right. Um, the fact that you're pushing the grass 
down, not up, right? For me, just look around. I mean, how can I not, how can I not see what God's done in 20 years, right? I've got great friends. We've got a great staff. God's good. So that's the first thing. I want you to be writing, writing those things down. And it should be kind of a, a work in progress because you'll be riding down the road and you'll think of another one. Um, but the second thing is this. I want you to write down some prayers that have been answered. Not prayer requests, not things that you need from God. But God, this is how you answered these prayers. And I want you to start writing those down. I want you to be reminded when God makes this promise to you, whatever that promise that you're gonna claim, whatever you're gonna look at, that you're gonna, you're gonna go, okay, God, I remember how you did it back here. I remember you did this. I remember the prayer that was answered. I remember how, how that all played out. And God, I expect you, I know you're gonna do it again. And just like he did all those really cool things in the Bible, that he's gonna do all these really cool things in your life and my life. If we just claim those promises, we hold on to those promises. I wanna do something real quick. I just wanna pray for us. And then we're closed and we're gonna go home. And, but, but, but don't take that lightly today, that challenge. To write those things, just those good things. Make you a list. I tell people all the time, you can do a cost-benefit analysis on your Christian life. You will always have more good stuff than bad stuff. Always. And then the prayers. Write those prayers down. God, I can't believe it. I remember when you answered this prayer this way. And man, when you're having a bad day, flip through that and just go, God, you're going to do it again. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, right now in this moment, I don't know what promises people need to have. I, I don't know what they need from you. Maybe it's the promise of joy that this season of life has brought, it's brought everything but joy. God, I, I pray that they would, that the people in, in this church would stand on that promise of joy. God, maybe life is just filled with turmoil right now. Maybe some of us in this room need to just stand on that promise of peace. Or maybe there's people in this room watching online. Maybe just don't feel a sense of purpose and fulfillment. God, I pray that, that first of all, they would see purpose and fulfillment of what you've called them to do on this side of eternity. God, I pray the promise of provision God, I've watched you. I've watched you provide. I've watched you in this church provide. I've watched you do things that are just miraculous. God, I pray that you would give us and allow us to stand firm in that gift of the promise of provision. And God, even abundance, that we would be faithful with what you've called us to do as individuals, as a faith community. But God, you would pour out your abundance on us. And blessings, God. Things that we don't deserve, God. I pray that you would pour those out, that we would stand on that. 
And God, that we would stand in your protection, that you would keep us safe. God, I pray that this is not just another three-week series where we learn a few things. I pray that this would be something that would be life-altering, that we would learn to stand in your promises, that we would learn to accept your promises. All, almost 6,000 of them, God. Not for our glory, but for yours, that we would make your name famous by telling the world, just like the Psalm said, the generations would hear about your goodness, God. That's what we wanna do. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. I want to say thanks for coming. You could have been a bazillion different places, but you chose to be here. Thanks for being here. I would ask you to do this. Do everything you can to get back these next two weeks because we all need to learn to live in the promises of God. Amen. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.